The Start On Demand. On demand. It is a special day in this country, Remembrance Day, and on this Remembrance Day edition of The Start, we'll speak with the Manitoba coordinator of No Stone Left Alone, which is a great event that gets kids involved in honouring our veterans. It's also a day of celebration as we honour our Winnipeg Blue Bombers, who have advanced to the CFL Western Final to face the Saskatchewan Rough Riders after crushing the evil empire that is the Calgary Stampeders 35-14. Don Cherry is in hot water again with his latest episode of Controversial Comments. And wow, did the Couch Potatoes have a blast this weekend with the Winnipeg Symphony Orchestra for Superhero Showdown. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb, who's back Tuesday. We are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb, and this is the Monday, November 11th podcast for The Start. Thank you very much. Dan Vatabonker in for Jeff Braun this morning, but Mackling and McGarry are here. Jeff Fortier is here. Kelly Moore is here on a special day, Remembrance Day. Greg, you're wearing a nice jacket today. Yeah, it's uh, the most one of the most special days of the year for me as a Canadian. I have to confess, Brett, this is uh, such an honor to be here. I know lots of people will be enjoying a day off, and I'm not going to tell you how to spend your Remembrance Day, but... We will have our moment of silence at 11 o'clock. My grandpa always used to talk about how that was the only paid time off that he got in a year was that two minute of silence at 11 o'clock. And so it was always very important to him as someone who applied for service for the Second World War, but because of his health at the time was unable to serve. So I know that was an important part of every Remembrance Day for him was that two minutes of silence and... Yeah, just thinking about the uh, the Pine Street Boys, Valor Road, such a big part of the history of the West End. So it's always an honor to be on the air today. Some view it as a holiday; it is not. It's a day. It is a day of commemoration, and we're going to have some fun today, but also take some time to commemorate uh, the reason we observe. November 11th. David Aiken from Global News will join us at 6.37. He is covering the Remembrance Day ceremony in Ottawa at 7.07. We're going to speak with Peter Martin from the Transcona Legion. He's been a good friend of this radio station in recent years, and he's been such a big part of the No Stone Left Alone event, which has become a really a huge event, not just in Manitoba, but across the country. So he'll join us at 7.07. Later on this morning, another angle on the No Stone Left Alone, as uh, Winnipeg has made her own unique contribution to that. So we're looking forward to sharing her story. And in case you missed it on Friday, we want to tell you about something called the Poppy Store. This is something from the Royal Canadian Legion where you can buy all kinds of poppy-related accessories, beautiful jewellery, uh, if you want to make your contribution that way rather than just making a donation. If you go to the grocery store and grab a couple of poppies, you can buy some really nice brooches and stuff. So we were just like stunned to learn that this existed and we didn't know that it existed, so we want to play that for you at 7.45. But we also, of course, want to spend today in celebration... Could you, you, I wish I could have been in the room yesterday with you during that bomber game because I could not believe what I was seeing. The evil empire not just falling, but in just complete domination from the bombers in that second half. 
I can remember in 1988 when the Winnipeg Blue Bombers won the Grey Cup against the BC Lions, being at Winnipeg International Airport at the time, waiting for the Blue Bombers to come home. And Joe Pascucci of Global Television interviewed me in my (laughs) Winnipeg Blue Bombers jersey, and I said something to the fact that I didn't know they would win, but I believed they could. And that was a very similar feeling going into the game yesterday. I wouldn't have gone out on a limb and said that they would have won, but I knew they could win. But to do it the way they did, absolutely mind-blowing. 27 unanswered second half points to bring the Calgary Stampeders to their knees and the Blue Bombers move on. An absolutely incredible day. Uh, the dogs, the children were all frightened by my responses at different times yesterday. So <laughs> it was it was absolutely a phenomenal result and the Blue Bombers move on. I want to play something. I don't know if you heard this in the post game. Okay. Bob Irving took a phone call. Oh, is, I did. Did you hear this? Okay. <laughs> I did. This is well. Here, here we go. Room Helen, you are on the post game show. Go ahead, Helen. Hi. Um. I'm got my news, Helen, and I'm calling. Uh, they play in Saskatchewan next week. Next Sunday, right? I'm gonna be for Saskatchewan all the way because the bombers make me sick to the stomach. Oh, Have a nice day. Boy. Bye. All right, Helen. <laughs> That's a lovely call to start our post-game show off with. We live in a world where freedom of speech is a right that we all have. And if you want to sort of send that kind of message uh, on this radio station after we describe the victory by the home team, uh, that is exciting for just about everybody, you're entitled to do that. I think you come across as a bit of a you-know-what, but uh, that's okay. <laughs> Uh, of course, Bob Irving, born in Saskatchewan, but is there any question he's one of us and has been for an awfully long time? And you've got some great Blue Bomber gear on today in celebration as well, along with your your poppies. You are, uh, you're dressed for success today, Gary. Yep, I got my Bomber hat. I got my Bomber retro t-shirt that Which they had I for... love, by the way. The hat's great, but the t-shirt's even better. Yeah, I was um, very happy with this t-shirt that they uh, put out for the retro night. So yeah, I love it, man. I just couldn't believe it. And I saw... I tweet. I tweeted this out. If you uh, the video of where they caught the fans exiting en masse. <laughs> that was a great the tweet. Exodus, and uh, I thought it, it just was weird seeing it in Calgary because that's what you're used to seeing in Winnipeg. They've got to beat traffic. This game's over, so let's beat traffic. Uh, but it was nice to see the fans leaving, just giving up on their team. I yelled, "Of all the teams that could come back, it's the Stampeders." And so it wasn't until that Nick Taylor interception late in the game where I finally said there's about four minutes left. I said, okay, that's the nail in the coffin. That theme song over the years, haven't they? Yeah. That's the theme to Sesame Street. Yesterday, the 50th anniversary of the first ever episode of that iconic, and do we even call it a children's television program? Of course it was created to educate kids, but parents loved it too, I suspect. Well, I'll tell you, I would call it a, a cultural show over 
children's show because there was a lot of things that uh, got brought up very subtly uh, of, on that show through some great ways and means of doing it. You know, when I think of Bert and Ernie and I think of uh, Cookie Monster and all the all the great lessons that uh, I, I used to call them coachable moments with our girls, you know, that uh, you could bring up into real life type of scenarios. Uh, Tremendous show. I, although I'm blown away that it's 50 years old. That's not surprising. I think, uh, I don't know if you guys have ever gone back to watch some of those older episodes of uh, of uh, Sesame Street. Some Absolutely. Of those, uh, Oscar the Grouch is pretty grouchy. <laughs> really, <laughs> like he's not, it's not exactly uh, uh, safe by our, uh, by today's standards for he's sure. He's kind of mangy. Really? Oh okay. yeah, he is. Yeah, he's very, rough, he's very rough around the edges for sure. Much more so than he is now. Well, I oh, grew wow. up with the show, right? I, I've yeah. been watching it basically the entire time it was on, either as a kid or as an older brother watching with my younger siblings and then as a parent. So there's maybe been no other program with as much influence on my life as Sesame Street. Yeah, I mean, I loved uh, the Muppets growing up, but it was the, the Muppets on Sesame Street yeah. that taught you all the important stuff and taught that, you know, they teach you empathy and teach you how to count. Like, hang on a second. I've pulled the it out. Oh, well, the count <laughs> is the great, counts. too. One. Oh, yeah. One. I, I, was thinking I, don't know, I don't know. Two. I was thinking of this. Let's see if this is the right one. Twelve. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. This is the funkiest. Love it. And I love the animation too. It's yeah, it's like the pinball going down yeah. the things and everything. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, it looks yeah. trippy. I wonder if uh, this was probably made in trippy. the seventh. Trippy is the perfect word. <laughs> I think that it may have been created by somebody who was on a trip. Yeah. Uh, that, thing, that thing was on for years. I wonder if they still run that. Uh I mean, I haven't watched Sesame Street. One of, my, one of the animated segments I remember is the one where the little girl goes to the store to get a, a, a loaf of bread, a container of milk, and a stick of butter. Stick of, yes! Stick of butter. Stick of butter. Stick of butter. And she, she remembers, she repeats it to herself all the way to the store, and she gets there, and then she forgets the butter. And then <laughs> we have to remind her, the audience is to remind her of what uh, what she was supposed to get. So, And that, that harkens back to a day where you would still send your children to the store to pick up groceries. Hang on. Of butter. There we go. If you can't remember, I'll write it down for you. That's okay, Mommy. I won't forget. <laughs> oh I God. remember. <laughs> Loaf of bread, a container of milk, and a stick of butter. This is blowing my mind right now. Loaf of bread, a container of milk, and a stick of butter. <laughs> Loaf of bread, a container of milk, and a stick of butter. Loaf of bread, a container of milk, and a stick of butter. Loaf of bread, a container of milk, and a butter. Sir, could I have a loaf of bread, a container of milk, and, and... Uh-oh. Oh, no. I can't remember. Can you <laughs> what my mommy said? Now she's trying. A loaf of bread, a container of milk, and a stick of butter. A stick of butter. I remembered. I remembered. Yeah, I remembered. Yeah. I remembered. I remembered. <laughs> My so good at uh, celebrating life's small victories, which at that time, depending on your age, feels yeah. so monumental. It's absolutely incredible. Who's your favorite character for it, Jay? Ah, oh, it's got to be Animal for you. It's well, no, got yeah, to be the drummer. The drummer. Yeah. It up. No, I know, but uh, okay. yeah, fair enough. I was gonna say Oscar, maybe. But then again, like I, everyone loves the Cookie Monster. 
Yeah, it's tough not to like. Yeah, I, I, I'm a big Kermit, Kermit the Frog fan. He did the crossover. He did both yeah. Sesame Street and the Muppet oh, Show. The crossover. So I like. I'm a big the Kermit the Frog. The tie that binds. Yes. Yeah. yeah well, it's he was... not easy being green. Oh, not bad. <laughs> well, and for me, I, I, you already said it. Me want cookie. <laughs> I love the Cookie Monster. But I think so partly funny. just because he's so a- animated, right? And he just smashes a plate of cookies. You know, I enjoy watching Spider Man's my favorite superhero but i enjoy watching the hulk because watching him smash things makes me giddy like a little boy so i always enjoyed watching the cookie monster destroy a plate of cookies although i wonder in today's day and age where we're trying to promote healthy eating should he be the celery monster no <laughs> no, no. no. Sure. That's a bad mess with michelle obama i think tried to convince cookie monster to go a different yeah. way and maybe had limited success they, they but, had a, the sub they said the cookies are sometimes food that's what they've been saying lately oh it's sometimes Yeah, so he still eats cookies, but not all the time. Oh, that's good. Yeah. See, we can all grow. We can all learn. You know who I'm not sure is learning or growing is Grover. Oh, yeah. He's the worst waiter of all time. (laughs) Flying the soup and the, oh, man. I I love Grover so much. And, of course, it was nice that he had an alter ego, Super Grover. He was accidentally a very good superhero, not on purpose, completely by accident. Uh, but Guy Smiley, ironically, is sort of my favorite. He's That's kind of fitting, I think. way, way in the wings, Guy Smiley, but uh, did a terrific job hosting those game shows on <laughs> on Sesame Street once upon a time. Yeah, I forgot about Guy Smiley. Yeah, there's just so like these two cartoons that we've just heard here, the pinball, I haven't thought about that in a while, the stick of butter, I haven't thought of that in, I bet you, 35 years. So, Dan, thank you for that That's reminder. Stick with me. Uh, let us know who your favorite Sesame Street character is and why. What about Snuffleupagus? Yeah, I liked him. He's, he was imaginary, right? I think only Big Bird could see him. Well, uh, he, he was at first, didn't they? Eventually, oh, yes. maybe. Yeah. Eventually, everyone could see him. I want to throw in a vote for Miss Piggy. Oh, yeah. Do we see crossover? I don't think so. No, oh, that's, a, that's a Muppet. Not part of, oh. Just Muppet. Oh. Muppet show. Just Muppets. But yeah. that's okay. Because if I'm going for my favorite Muppet, it is Animal. Yeah, myself, I mean, so. uh, and it's interesting. I, I read the uh, Jim Henson biography <laughs> talking about how they did those. They shot all those Muppet sequences all at once, like Jim Henson, Frank Oz, and those guys. Yeah. And then they uh, and then they just did it all in one big thing, and then they split it up all among the shows. Yeah, and Carol Spinney being yes. the big bird, and oh, man, just oh, great memories. Who is your favorite Sesame Street character? 204-780-6868. Thank you very much. Dan Vatabonker in for Jeff Braun today. McNabb is back tomorrow. It's Mackling and McGarry, Jeff Forte behind the board, and a special guest in studio with us, our friend Peter Martin from the Transcona Legion, joining us on this Remembrance Day. Peter, good morning to you, sir. Good morning. Thank you for having me here. Thanks for coming back. We always love to chat with you, and you're such a huge part of this day and the No Stone Left Alone event, which has really gained in uh, momentum. So for those who don't know what No Stone Left Alone is, what is it? It's really getting the youth, the, like the future generations, getting them out to a field of honor somewhere in Canada, in our case in Transcona, um, to actually stand by the grave of a veteran, read the story that's on the, sto- uh, the tombstone, and take a poppy from their jacket and place a poppy on the tombstone. And in our case, we put, place it on the Canadian flag at the foot of the grave. It's about just knowing that these are just regular folks 
that made a, a great contribution to our country and to our freedom and the, the youth kind of getting out face to face. And and it's interesting, many of the youth have never been to a field of honor. In fact, many have never been to a cemetery. When they go, they're just looking, what, you know, they actually see a name and see a person, see their rank and see what they did and say symbolically with their poppy, thank you for your service. Thank you for doing what you did for our country. What kind of discussions come out of that experience, Peter? Well, they, add, they give me some feedback in terms of written letters and things. When you talk to the kids, they say, this means a lot to me. And it, it sort of gets it down to a different level. And it's a, the youth are actually doing something, not just reading about it in a book, watching a TV show. They're actually looking at the gravestone of somebody who served their country and who died. Not all those in the field of honor died in battle, but they're looking at that and saying, this guy said yes to putting their life on the line, yes for our freedom, and many served on different levels, not all went to the front line. I want to ask you about Transcona in a minute, but this past summer, I went with my boys to the Air Training Museum in Brandon, and they've got that incredible granite wall, 3,000 names of of individuals who who died, most of them (laughs) in Canada as part of the effort to to train pilots to go to Europe to to do what they did. And my boys were just, when you see it in that stark reality, no more than than two inches high for each letter and each name, and to see a wall that is about 75 feet long and, and, and 8 to 10 feet high, it's overwhelming to see those names and to put it in that perspective of, of how many gave that ultimate sacrifice. And, and that's what Remembrance is all about, is trying to find a name somewhere, trying to remember somebody, either from your community, and right. I tell the kid, your family members. <clears throat> think of all your family that served and think of what they did. And our freedom came at a very high price. And we've got to remember those uh, um, who, who died in battle or as a result of battle who didn't make it home. Their bodies are somewhere in Europe in a cemetery. And in many cases, like there's only over 55,000 names on Menengate of soldiers whose bodies <clears throat> were never recovered. Menengate. Talk about Menengate because yeah. that is one of the most incredible places on <clears throat> this planet Earth. They've been been playing a, playing a bugle for almost 100 years there. Yeah. <laughs> Darn near every single day, right? I was there, and I stood at the gate. We did a ceremony there because I was there on the pilgrimage of remembrance. I was sent there on behalf of the legions for 15 days visiting all the cemeteries, and we stood at Menengate Gate, and I read the names. There's over 55,000 names of soldiers whose bodies were never found. Transcona had nine on Menengate. Gate. Local boys played baseball, played hockey. Their bodies were never found. So imagine the parents of all of those who get a letter or telegram saying your son was killed in action, we have no idea where their body is. And it's like, what? Why do they do this? Will anybody remember them? Because they're not going to go and see a body or a gravestone, and they're not coming home, and we need to remember all those who gave the ultimate sacrifice and the families of those who suffered in pain for the rest of their lives, thinking, what were their last moments like? But men in gate, every night, 365 days a year, rain or shine, they have the buglers out, in their case, most four buglers, they have a short ceremony, we put a wreath on the graves, and it's solemn. And people noticed that we were Canadian, of course, with our Legion outfits on, they were hugging us on the street, they were thanking us as Canadians, and uh, when the, and one woman said, I can't believe that you Canadians sent so many of your young men here to die. And I said, you know what? We're Canadians, and these young men made a choice to help others who cannot help themselves, and they gave the ultimate sacrifice to help you people because that's what we do, and that's what human beings should do for each other. So 
It, they hugged us and said, thank you for doing that. And I said, I will pass that message along. You're welcome. And we would do it for anybody because, as I said again, we're Canadians and we're good people, like many in the world. Peter, uh, we were discussing this off air and we kind of stopped one another and said, you know what? I've got to ask you about your family history because, uh, you know, I've been honored to be able to share a little bit of mine. But yours is a powerful story. Tell us about your dad. Yeah, my father, he, he died when he was 96, but he landed on the first wave on Juno Beach. And he used to talk about, he said, we're arriving in our ships, and we had our, we were looking over the, over the ship, looking at the shoreline, not sure what to expect. And then all of a sudden we'd hear, ping, 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 on the metal on the ship. And we said, those are bullets. And he said, we ducked our heads like a turtle ducking into a shell, and we hid. And then they opened the gates, and he said, my friend Louie, I believe was from Dool, actually, he said, he said, Paul, I can't swim. So he said, my father said to his friend, let's each grab an arm, let's get him to shore, because it was eight feet of water. So they dragged him to shore. He said, okay, Louis, you're on your own. And they let go of Louis, and he fell to the sand. He had a bullet in his forehead. Dad often talked about it. He said, it could have been me, a foot either way. And Dad said, we just ran, and we were screaming, and the, our friends, our comrades, were, were on the beach dying, and they couldn't stop to help him. And Dad never forgot on D-Day, what happened. And his best friend from Transcona was captured and was actually killed the next day. He was a prisoner of war and was actually executed the next day. His best friend from Transcona played baseball and, and hockey. We, we were talking about Men and yeah. Gate and the fact that you went there and yes. the incredible honor that 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 is bestowed upon the fallen and, and those who, who never got to come home uh, either way, either alive or, right. or otherwise. You, you spoke so eloquently off the air about... Being on jo- Juno Beach, share that well, with the, I, our listeners. When I, I got an opportunity this year to spend 15 days in Europe, and, and Juno Beach was my highlight. So I, my wife had painted a stone with my father's regimental number, and I found the spot approximately where the Winnipeg rifles landed. I sat on the sand, and I was in tears, holding the sand in my hands, thinking, you know what? How many thousands of young men laid on this beach and dying, knowing this or taking their last breath, holding the sand, and looking at this sand the way I'm looking at it, that would be the last thing they saw. And I'm thinking, my God, you know, that's, we can't forget their feelings. And the family members would get a telegram saying they died in battle or as a result of battle. It's just, I was in emotional thinking. My father landed. He made it safely. So many laid their last breath. Next time you go to Grand Beach. It's Grand let Beach. That, let that very sand... Similar you know, move and, and, and make its way through your hands. And, and like, can you, you, imagine, were, you were never making forget. that assimilation. Yeah. Yes, they died, but imagine what they were going through and imagine no. thinking their last thoughts. You know, my father said there, he was running on the beach and the little young men were yelling for their mothers, screaming, Mom, where are you? Mom, where are you? And, and Dad, and he never forgot that. So he said his message coming back is, I need to come back and I need to make sure nobody forgets. Which ceremony will you be attending today, Peter? I'm involved in the Transcona Ceremony, East End Community Club. We start at 10.30 on the MC, and I'm also, I carry the torch of remembrance and recite in Flanders Fields. But it's, when you see the people come out, people do want to remember especially, and appreciate. Like I'm big on, appreciate what we have in this great country. It didn't come easy, and it could have been much different. So many said, yes, I'm going to serve my country. Many left their families and never came back. But we need to really stand back and say at this time of year, it was worth it. Thank you to the family members. Thank you for your service and what you did for our, our country. What do, what do I do with my poppy today? And when do I do it? Well, for me, I, I take my poppy and put on a, on a wreath at the cemetery. But wearing the poppy is the symbol. 
it's a connection. When people see you wearing the pie, they know that in your heart you do appreciate and you do remember. And, and in most cases, you have a connection to a family member who serve, a friend or neighbor. And so it's uh, like you wear your puppy with pride and saying, I do remember. This is a symbol. In Europe, it's, uh, you know, I saw so many poppies, I couldn't believe the poppies going wild. And I was taking pictures, and after a while, it wasn't worth it. But you see the poppies growing in the wild. And every time I saw one, I thought, this is, in fact, I, I'm just going to throw this out. I got a chance to stand at the grave of uh, John McRae, who wrote In Flanders Field. And there's a group of people in the cemetery. I recited In Flanders Field to the crowd standing at the grave site of John McRae. We want to start this half hour with a subject that was, you couldn't go on Twitter this weekend without seeing the name Don Cherry everywhere. No, and I don't think you could go to a coffee shop, to uh, your kids' uh, sporting events, anywhere without people talking about this uh, yesterday. Don Cherry said on Saturday on his weekly Coach's Corner segment, yes, he still has a platform, folks that he's less frequently seeing people wearing poppies anymore to honor fallen Canadian soldiers. And he singled out those he believes are immigrants in Toronto. You know, I was talking to a veteran. I said, I'm not going to run the poppy thing anymore because what's the sense? I live in Mississauga. Nobody wears, uh, uh, very few people wear uh, a poppy. Downtown Toronto, forget it, downtown Toronto. Nobody wears a poppy. And I'm not going to, he says, wait a minute. How about running it for the people that buy them? Now, you go to the small cities, and you know, you, you know those, the rows on rows, you people love, you, you, they come here, whatever it is, you love our way of life, you love our milk and honey, at least you could pay a couple of bucks for poppies or something like that. These guys pay for your way of life that you enjoy in Canada. These guys pay the, uh, the biggest price. Of course... Most of what Cherry said was accurate, but some of the things that he said and included in his comments not only upset or disgusted Cherry's rant, but are extremely disappointed that Ron McLean, who nodded in agreement with Cherry and in fact gave the thumbs up gesture at the end of the rant, well, they were disappointed that McLean did that. McLean, who co-hosts uh, Coach's Corner with Cherry, apologized on Sportsnet last night. Welcome to uh, Rogers Hometown Hockey this evening from Welland, Ontario. Before we commence with uh, the celebration of the game here, I wanted to address what happened last night on Hockey Night in Canada. Don Cherry made remarks which were hurtful, discriminatory, uh, which were flat out wrong. Uh, we at Sportsnet have apologized. Uh, it certainly doesn't stand for what Sportsnet or Rogers represents. Uh, we know diversity is the strength of the country. Uh, we see it in the travels with our show and with Hockey Night in Canada. So. I owe you an apology too. That's the big thing that I want to emphasize. I sat there, uh, did not catch it, did not respond. Um, Catherine Denise, uh, it's on a First Nation, uh, once said, uh, in any wrongdoing, the, the real key is recognition and acknowledgement. And I wanted to let you know uh, that first. Uh, and then you work on the relationship uh, so that it isn't divisive, so that something can be a, a unifying event. Uh, Idle No More was a great lesson to all of us. Last night was a really great lesson to Don and me. We were wrong, uh, and I sincerely apologize, and I wanted to thank you uh, for calling me and Don on that last night. Ron McLean, uh, Brett, is recognized as one of the good guys in Canada. I don't know anybody who has ever met him with anything negative to say about him or their interaction with him. His parents both served in the military. In fact, uh, Ron McLean was born in Germany on a military base. 
He's been named honorary colonel of the uh, one air movement squadron at 17 wing here in Winnipeg, that of the Canadian Forces Air Command. Why he is apologizing on behalf of Don Cherry, only McLean knows. Cherry himself has not offered an apology of any sort. Sportsnet President Bart Yabsley issued this yesterday. Don's discriminatory comments are offensive and they do not represent our values and what we stand for as a network. We have spoken with Don about the severity of this issue and we sincerely apologize for these divisive remarks. Now, a movement to pressure Hockey Night in Canada. Advertisers into action has appeared on social media. Many wondering, is this the end of the line for Cherry? Drex, the shift with Drex, which airs overnights on 680 CJOB and across the chain here on our chorus stations throughout Canada. He is from Australia, right? Australia, yes. And he tweeted out, this is where I first saw it. I've opened Twitter and I saw Drex talking about this. He says, us immigrants do buy poppies. Oh, that's actually the incorrect terminology, right? You don't buy a poppy, you make a donation. That's correct. But but that's, they're just nitpicking here. Anyway, us immigrants do buy poppies. We wear them proudly and have done for years. Don't be a divisive (laughs) a-hole. I love Drex. He's just so blunt. He is very blunt, and you sometimes hear that language uncensored on his radio program overnight. He has a little bit more license to do that at the time of the day that he's on the air. But I echo mostly his sentiments for sure. I think Don Cherry's time has come and gone. The fact that he's still on television and has the platform that he does is amazing, and I don't mean that in a good way. I think it's unreal that he's been allowed to to continue to share the ideals and the ideas that he has about uh, individuals from different countries. And it all started with hockey players, you know, no, no love for European players. Uh, well, you know, there are some that are tough, and, and, and that started decades ago, and, and it was humorous for a lot of people, uh, entertainment for others, and uh, downright discriminatory to some. So is this the line? I guess we'll have to see. If you're a hockey fan, you'll remember uh, Dave Hodge back in 1987, was upset because CBC didn't carry overtime of a certain game, flipped his pen in disgust, (laughs) and was fired for that. Really? Yes, because he was not impressed with the coverage plans and how CBC executed those plans of games that were winding up uh, that night, March 14th, 1987. So is this the end of the line for Cherry? I think a lot of people think enough is enough. And uh, the thing, too, with the poppies is, you'd okay, let's say he sees someone on the street who's not wearing a poppy. He has no idea why they, they don't have a poppy. Maybe they had one and they lost it. Could or, be under their coat. Yeah, or or maybe they just don't, like, not every person you see today is going to wear a poppy. No. So what? So they don't have a poppy on. Big deal. Like, it doesn't, if you have a poppy, great, and if you don't have a poppy, it doesn't mean that you're a bad person or that you're a bad Canadian or that you don't support the people who served our country. It might just mean you haven't had an opportunity to, maybe you just haven't, been somewhere where there are poppies or the grocery store didn't have any left. I don't know. I For him to judge anyone for not having a poppy, I think, is crazy. And then to pick on a certain segment of the population is insane. 
well, especially Peter Martin told us off the air, uh, unless it was during our conversation that didn't make it to to air because we were off the air at the time, that there are more kids, more individuals coming to Remembrance Day ceremonies than ever before. The year, the the year after year, the number of people coming it continues to grow. So that's not the overall sentiment in Canadian society with regard to Remembrance Day. People are paying more attention. People are more respectful. People are observing this very special day in larger numbers. David Aiken told us that when we spoke to him at 637 in Ottawa. They're expecting 40,000 people there, uh, an unprecedented number for that ceremony. So I think Don Cherry is proving that he's out of touch in a lot of ways. And this is just highlighting for folks the fact that he doesn't deserve the platform that he gets uh, every Saturday night, and uh, maybe this is the last time that we have to hear him say anything stupid. Thank you very much, Dan Vatabonker. It's Mackling and McGarry. Thank you very much for joining us this morning on 680 CJOB. And I know I was excited last night, but your excitement level must have just been through the roof because you were nervous heading into this weekend. As it pertains to the gridiron. Oh, there's no question. I'm always nervous. Always nervous about what the Blue Bombers are going to do. And I think that's usually when I think they have a chance to win. When there's seems to be zero hope, I'm not nervous at all. But I knew the Bombers had a chance going into the game yesterday. And boy, oh boy, I don't know if anybody saw this coming. And there weren't too many experts outside this marking Pick it, market, pardon me, picking the Blue Bombers to defeat the Stampeders. In fact, all the CFL, the CFL has uh, somebody in each market decide who should win and uh, predict the games. Edmonton, Montreal was sort of divided, but all eight experts on CFL.ca picked the Calgary Stampeders wow. to win yesterday. So uh, never mind defeating the Stampeders. How about limiting Bo Levi Mitchell to just 116 yards in passing, 35-14 waxing of the defending Grey Cup champions. And just a side note, I thank you for using the word waxing. Fred Hickman on CNN Sports used to say waxed all the time, and I think it's my favorite sports you know, term for crushed or decimated. Wax. Yeah, and it uh, only it only works in certain situations. I thought it was ideal, and I know how much you like that word, Brett. So, a thirty-three yard touchdown from D- Nick Dembski, just over five minutes in the third quarter, were the first six of twenty-seven unanswered Blue Bomber points in the second half. Now he's going to give it to Dembski, and he's across the thirty, the twenty-five, the twenty, ten touchdown Blue Bombers. Nick Dembski on a run up the middle. Nick Dembski joins us on the CJOB post-game show. Nick, congratulations. What a win. Thank you very much. Yes, it was. As sweet a win as you've had? Man, that one felt good. I can't lie. Better than the one in Regina <laughs> last year? In, you, in know, the semi? <laughs> you know, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're pretty equal, I'll say. But, you know, it'll be sweeter to get one in Regina this year, that's for sure. Yeah. Tell me about your touchdown run in the third quarter. 
Yeah, I mean, the O-line did a great job blocking. Um, you know, I, I made a cut, and the, re the rest was history. I put my head back around as fast as I could. That's really what happened. Yeah. We kind of uh, thought that they were sort of preoccupied with keeping an eye on Straveler, and that helped open things up. Yeah, it's funny because I, I went up to Straveler. I, I asked him, like, are you trying to take the ball from me at that at that point? That wasn't a call. But, no, he was just saying, you know, you saw people off the end of the line, and, and he was just trying to, you know, hold it, hold it so uh, they could he could get the ends uh, occupied. So it was a great play by him, too. Yeah. You're pretty impressed with Strebler's toughness today? Yeah. I mean, you know, you, you know what you're going to get out of Strebby. I mean, that, that, that guy's made out of heart, you know. And uh, he went in there, and, uh, you know, no matter how his body fell, he's going to give it his all. So big props to Strebby, man. What was your thought when you fell behind 7 nothing early? And any sort of negative things creep in there, Nick? No, I didn't. I didn't think a thing. All, all I thought was we're in a football game. And, I mean, you know, that's uh, – that's what we expected. You know, Calgary is a great team over there. And, uh, you know, we had to play all four quarters, and, and that's what we did. So it, it's great to get a win like that, especially in their house. Your defense held uh, Bo Levi to 12 of 28 for 116 yards. How about that? Yeah, it's crazy, man. You know, it, it's funny because we're, we're all talking as a team yesterday. And, you know, we said, you know, on the defensive side of the ball, we we got we to gotta control 19. And if we can do that, then, then offense is going to come out here and put up some points. So, you know, defense is their side of the job. Offense is their side of the job. Special teams did a good job, too. I mean, you know, hats off to Medlock. You know, he, he came out there and kicked, uh, kicked the ball great. So it was a total team win. And, uh, you know, I, I'm happy for, uh, for the guys in this locker room. The play of Chris Strebler was sort of a case of returning to the scene of the crime as Strebler came off the bench to match, if not surpass, his gutsy performance from his team's ultimate 37-33 loss to the Stamps three weeks ago. Strebler's going to keep it. And he's got room around the left. He's going to score the 10-5 touchdown, Strebler. Blue Bomber quarterback Chris Strebler. Chris, congratulations on a tremendous effort by your team. Oh, thank you so much. Such a such a great team win, and just so many guys stepping up and making plays all, all around the board, all three phases. So um, just couldn't feel better about this team win. Tell me when you felt uh, you were going to be good to go and uh, close to being at your best today. Um, you know, uh, just a lot of work th throughout the week with uh, with trainers and with the team, and just I just wanted to be out there with my teammates, and all those guys are fighting through so much stuff, and. It's nothing extra for me to go out there and fight through whatever I'm going through. So just want to be out there and fight with those guys. They all fight extremely hard and play extremely hard. I watched you in the pregame warm-up, and you were—you looked like you were having fun out there. You, you must have been feeling pretty good about things then. I mean, we always have a lot of fun in pregame warm-ups, and we have such a great, you know, just group, and especially the quarterback group. I have so we just have a lot of fun together, and you know, this entire team has a lot of fun. We got a close-knit locker room, and it's a lot of fun going out there and playing with each other. Did you think you'd get as much uh, playing time as you got today? Uh, I don't know. Going in, you know, with kind of my role as, as the backup and doing that type of stuff, you never really know. And I'm just thankful for the opportunities. And I'm just thankful for those guys up front blocking so hard. And, you know, Zach making great plays, Andrew running hard, everyone stepping up and making plays. So just happy for everyone on the team. There were very few indications all last week whether or not Strevler would be able to play let alone contribute the way he did yesterday. And contribute he did. He was the team's leading rusher with 82 yards of the Blue Bombers' incredible 195 yards of total rushing. The Blue and Gold are on their way to Regina now to face the Rough Riders in the West Final for the right to head back to Calgary for the Grey Cup. No coaches show tonight, by the way, tomorrow night at 7 o'clock. Here is Coach O'Shea with some of his thoughts and an unusual musical reference. The guys were great. They were spot on. I thought we got down 
uh, got down early because of two two big plays, you know, the the PI, and then they ended up costing us, you know. But uh, they they just kept battling, and I think uh, made some big plays in that in that fourth quarter, just getting the ball back for the offense, and then the run game started working, and and Strev, you know, came in and did a great job. I mean, Zach hitting that big one to Darv is a, is a huge play for us, right too. So lots of great stuff going on there. Can you say enough about the the way Streffler Streffler sucked it up today? Uh, no, there won't be words to describe that. Um, you know, just really about honoring his teammates, and uh, he really cares about that concept, that idea. And I think football players, more than any sport, understand that, like the song says, the more you suffer, the more it shows you really care, right? These guys are, it's a long season, and, and everybody's hurting. But Strev is uh, something else. You weren't sure. We talked the pregame show. You weren't sure about how much he could play. Uh, did you envision him playing as much as he did? Well, he was ready. I think once that adrenaline kicks in, you're ready to go, right? So, yeah. uh, but he was he was sensational. It's too bad we got that we got that one penalty on him. He had a huge run and took great contact at the end. Delivered great contact at the end, and it's got to come back. You know, you'd like to when you when you finish a run like that, you'd like it to count. Who knew O'Shea was a fan of the offspring? Do you think that that was uh, in- intentional? Oh, I think so. Had to be. Yeah, it was very, very deliberate. Just kind of snuck it in there. Coverage throughout the week, of course, here on 680 CJOB, leading up to the 1 o'clock pregame and 3.30 kickoff this coming Sunday from Mosaic Stadium, the first time since 1972 that the Blue Bombers and the Rough Riders will face one another in the Western Final. And uh, that one didn't go very well for the Blue Bombers. Here at Winnipeg Stadium, the Bombers lost 27-24 on one of the craziest plays in CFL history. I'm sure I get time to share that with you at some point this week. And by the way, if you're thinking about heading to Regina, there are some tickets available, maybe a few hundred on Ticketmaster. So if you're thinking about it, get online, get your tickets now. Not that I'm trying to sell tickets for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, But, you know, more blue and gold in that stadium, the better. Mackling and McGarry McNabb is back tomorrow. The theme song from the Avengers, one of the great songs that was performed by the Winnipeg Symphony Orchestra over the weekend for Superhero Showdown, a show that is run by Stuart Chaffetz, a conductor from California. It's his show but the couch potatoes managed to weasel their way into it after Star Wars versus Star Trek back in February. And uh, we had a great time again this weekend. Sat on a couch on stage. I was eating potato chips that the symphony supplied while the show was on. Oops, sorry. Hang on a second. That's YouTube going to the next uh, <laughs> the next song in the queue there. Uh, Dan Vadabonker, filling in for Jeff Braun this morning, is a huge pop culture geek like I am. He's got his own podcast, Media Nerds Podcast, Star Wars Podcast. How many podcasts do you have, Dan? Three. What's the other one? Uh, uh, Super Pulp Science. This is about comic books. Super Pulp Science. Yeah. So you like superheroes. Absolutely, yeah. So and how was the show? It was great. I loved it. Uh, first of all, I, I mean, it was a great excuse to go to the symphony. I don't do that often enough. Mm-hmm. I grew up going to the symphony. My grandparents used to take me to concerts for kids. 
uh, back in the 80s. And so and, and it was also the opportunity for, for me to bring my kids to the concert as well. And they really enjoyed it, although they didn't recognize as many songs as uh, as they were hoping. But they still had a great time. Yeah, well, what did they? What did they think well, of the Lone Ranger? Oh, they, and they knew it. My my son says that's a meme. That song's a meme. I'm like, I'm sure it is out internet <laughs> land, but it was that's not how it started. Everybody knows that song, right? And that was a. I loved how they kind of shoot. I mean, yeah, the Lone Ranger was a superhero to a to a certain generation. That was what that was. So it was great that they played that song. Your video of Hulk playing the drums <laughs> yeah. on Instagram is spectacular because awesome. uh, friends of ours took their son yep. and that was the comment they made that how much they enjoyed it and seeing the the Hulk on the drums was mind-blowing to yeah. them. So uh, fantastic. If you don't follow Brett on Instagram, I would do it just to see this video because not too many people would get the perspective you did sitting right on the stage and and, the, and of course it matches up with Brett's secondary and his alter ego Brett Smash. So it was absolutely perfect that you got that and captured it. Yeah, it was cool to see so many members of the symphony were in costume. Uh, one of the guys on double bass was wearing a Black Panther costume and that had to have been tough to just be able to see. But yeah, the Hulk was on the kettle drums and uh, Wonder Woman was on bassoon. There were a number of Supergirls and even uh, one person was dressed up like somebody from uh, The Incredibles, I believe, which actually ended up being one of my favorite themes and I don't know why I didn't think of this but it's so much fun it is. listening it, it, to it live was so fun it's got a really retro feel to it this is the one my kids like the best because that's the one that they were most familiar with but yeah. it's a great song and yeah when you when you hear that you instantly think of The Incredibles it's so iconic now you mentioned there were a couple of songs that maybe weren't quite as familiar like even for me and Jeff uh, they did a suite of music from X-Men The Last Stand, which is seen as the worst of the three original movies. I like the X-Men theme, but I never really thought about their music. Uh, the music that they played from Fantastic Four, The Rise of Silver Surfer, that was the one that grew on me and Jeff through because we, we had the privilege of being there three times. So we got to see it three times, and by that third time, we are like, wow, this is really good. I kind of want to watch the movie again. Don't. Don't watch that movie again. <laughs> don't. Terrible. There's no reason. Okay. <laughs> Listen to the soundtrack. Which one caught you, surprised you the most in terms of how it, you enjoyed it? Well, I mean, you guys kind of pulled a, a fast one on us at the end there, and I actually didn't have a program on me, so I couldn't see what was coming, which I kind of liked. But uh, you ended it with a suite of Superman music, and we played the romantic theme. Not this one, but the romantic theme from uh, Superman, the Christopher Reed when he flies around with Lois Lane in that beautiful scene. And then you went into, you, meaning the symphony, went into the Man of Steel, right, which was kind of the reboot with, uh, what's his name? Henry, Henry Cavill. Henry Cavill, uh, not my favorite version of Superman. And uh, and it was fine. It's great orchestral music, but I'm sitting there thinking, there's no way they're going to end on this. This is so, I don't know. It was It was fine, but it wasn't, like, iconic. And then, of course... You guys even think you even left. You and Jeff leave the stage. You're like, okay, it's over. We're out. And you walk off the stage. Then after that, it's over. They come back out. And even the conductor leaves. And then you're back out. And you say, okay, well, you know what? We can't end on that. We're going to play the real the real Superman theme, which was this one, of course, by John Williams. Yeah. Very, was, very cool. Yeah, it was fun doing that fake out, too. And it was funny because I was out. Uh, I went out after... Uh, to a party with Tristan Field Jones was there and he was in attendance yesterday afternoon and he said do they play the Superman theme and I thought about telling him yes and then I said nope just yeah, Man of Steel. Just the Man of Steel. And he says, really? I just can't believe that. And he, he kept repeating himself. I just can't believe they're playing it. Like he was trying to get me to spill the beans but I, I just held 
I zipped my lips. I said, no, they just, I guess they couldn't get the rights or whatever. But <laughs> Perfect cover. That's what I'm thinking. I hope he said they couldn't get the rights. That's, yeah. right. That's a perfect cover. Well, yeah. Dan Vadabonker, thanks for coming to the show and thanks oh. for giving us the debrief. And thanks to anybody who won tickets, who attended the show. We hope you had a great time because the Couch Potatoes had a wonderful time hosting alongside the Winnipeg Symphony Orchestra. As I said to the orchestra at the end of the show, before going into Superman, it was... This music means a lot to me because I'm a superhero fan, I've always been, and it was a gift, just a pure gift of joy that they gave to me, to Jeff, to anyone who was in attendance. You were so enraptured by this as well. I watched you. You were watching the symphony from that couch the entire time. Oh, man. Like, just having a great time. Big smile on my face the whole time. In my hand, I have a stone with the word remember written on it, along with a painting of a poppy. And we've been talking a lot this morning about no stone left alone because it is Remembrance Day and no stone left alone ceremonies are held throughout Manitoba and throughout Canada. And in fact, at 2 o'clock, that will be the focus of a special Remembrance Day presentation from Global News from 2 until 2.30 before the Winnipeg Ice Game held by Donna Friesen anchoring this special on No Stone Left Alone. And right now, we want to introduce you to a Winnipeg woman who painted the poppy on this stone. You can see a picture of it, by the way, on our 680CJOB Instagram story. It is a lovely little token of remembrance here. Tova Anderson joins us live on the start. Tova, good morning to you. Good morning. Thank you very much for joining us today. So how did you decide to get involved in No Stone Left Alone like this? Uh, The stone began, I do rock art formation, And we were up at the lake, and I was hiking on a trail, and I passed an elderly gentleman who had a a small little pin in his hat, and I asked him if he was a veteran, and he sort of looked at me, and I said, thank you for your service. And as I carried on, um, I I thought, "How, how is it we can remember throughout the year? And... So I eventually incorporated it into the rock art, the Remember Stone. Peter Martin is a dear family friend, and he was on a pilgrimage to Europe, to the Western Front, and I asked him if he would take a few stones with him, and which he did. And then we started talking, and now we incorporated it with the No Stone Left Alone. It's like the stones found a home. <laughs> so it's amazing. Yeah. So tell and the us how- gentleman, the gentleman with the pin, it wasn't it wasn't it was just for him and his memories. It wasn't to uh, put it out there. He was very surprised that I recognized it. Um but it was just for him and his memories to to wear it. So tell Very us, humble, man. Oh, I'm sure it is. And and just the work that goes into this is overwhelming, Tova. So just tell us uh, how many stones you made this year. Peter told us the number is absolutely overwhelming. And then just tell us what happens to these stones after you make them. 590 stones were made. Um, the stones were handed out at the No Stone Left Alone ceremony. Uh, at the Transcona Field of Honor to each student, grade six student, um, to take home as a keepsake. 
So I understand that you have military ties in uh, your family, your son and your husband, correct? Yes. My husband, Ted, served the Royal Canadian Air Force for 30 years. Our son, Duval, he is presently posted to Alaska, the large American base there. Uh, He's a major and he has served 25 years. So between the two of them, I jokingly say I've served 55 years. (laughs) <laughs> well, you know, you say that jokingly, but such a big part of the story of military families are those that are at home and are dealing with everything that is going on while their loved ones are deployed. It's a huge job. It, it, it I don't, we, I think military wives don't look at it as a job, but it's the support. We're the support. Um, they worry when they're away. Like, they feel bad if something happens, they're not there to to help or to fix it or to um, assist you. Um, So it's, we're the the sunshine in their life in many dark days. Tova, have either your husband or son seen combat? Our sons, my husband, yes. Um, The, my son served in Bosnia in 93 he did three tours in afghanistan and one in iraq so what's that like uh you know being a mom to a soldier knowing that he's off in some faraway land uh putting his life on the line Uh, well i put it this way and i tell everyone the umbilical cord stretches all over the world so, so you're there, you, um, with our son, we had email and we had FaceTime and we had Skype. With my husband, we waited six weeks for a letter to arrive uh, and a 10-minute phone call once a week. And 10 minutes it is. Um, the line goes dead. With our son, um, I, you're very concerned. You're also proud um you um see if there's anything you they need um they they live pretty bare minimum in a 6 foot cot but um uh and it's not just them it's their fellow service friends serving with them they need anything a lot are forgotten when they're posted overseas or on tour so often in popular culture and movies and TV shows, we see those scenes where it's a mail call and you go back to World War II in particular or Vietnam and they, they'd get the mail call and, and inevitably somebody would get left out and, and, a, and a request would be made. Can, can you read the letter again? Mm-hmm. They just want to read something. They want to hear something from home. I'm just curious about the, the letters to your husband, the letters to your son, and, and the care packages and the, some of the neat things that might have been in those. Well, in 93, I started the Supporter Troops Christmas Parcel because uh, our son would say, Mom, can you send this? Can you send that? And I would say, absolutely. I knew it wasn't for him. Um, they all share what they receive in their parcel. Um, my husband, when he was in Egypt, he received a fruitcake from his mom. Um, <laughs> so the love goes there, and we've continued to this day um, 
in sending parcels overseas for Christmas. Some don't even get a card. So I wanted to make sure that none serving were forgotten. So from 93 to this year, we've been sending parcels. Now, the stones that you painted for the No Stone Left Alone ceremony, was it for one specific ceremony? No, no. We, um, the No Stone Left Foundation out of Edmonton um, <clears throat> would like to take the stones right across Canada in the future. Okay. So it'll be one city at a time, one town at a time. And um, so I'm working on it. But how many did you paint this year? 590. And for, for, which, for which ceremony? The Transcona Field of Honor ceremony. How long did that take you? 590 stones. Um, I, I didn't count the time or keep track of, of the time. Of course you didn't. <laughs> no, I didn't. Because, you know, when you have a roast in the oven or cookies or a cake, or, uh, you can do 10 stones. And so um, I would, I have this little system going and it's easy to do 10. And then when there's 25, they're bagged. And uh, Peter was shocked. Um, He phoned me, said, I think we need more. And I said, no problem. (laughs) Where do you get all the stones? I I found a little sweet spot up at, we, we lake out at Hecla Island. And I found a little sweet spot and... Um, my wonderful husband is um, the stone carrier, and you have to c- sort of trek in, and then you carry them out. Unbelievable. Wow. Tova, uh, we have to let you go here, but we know you have a couple things that, that you'd like to say, one, one in particular before we let you go. And just thank you so much for what you're doing and taking some time with us this morning. You could have done about 35 stones here while you were talking to us. Maybe you were working on some stones for next year while you're chatting with us. No, no. Okay, what I wanted to say is here is my personal thanks to all our soldiers for their honor, their sacrifice, for me, for my family, and for Canada. Tova Anderson joining us live on 680 CJOB. Tova, thank you very much for this and for your contribution. You're very welcome. 9.45 on 680 CJOB. Again, if you want to see the picture of the stone, it is a lovely little piece of art. Go to 680 CJOB's Instagram. You'll find it in our story. It's Mackling and McGarry. McNabb is back tomorrow. And that wraps up today's podcast. Thank you very much for listening. We'll talk to you again on Tuesday. Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think, and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG, that's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on C-J-O-B. Talk soon.